0: When you begin to fall in love with creation, you will grow hostile towards God. Here's why. God will bless your life with wonderful things. He will bless your life with these great relationships. He will bless your life with you know uh, money or uh, great jobs or a wonderful house or a wonderful car or whatever, whatever you want to, whatever you want. like that happens in our life, and then when we take our eyes off of God and we focus on only the creation, these blessings that are in our life. They will not satisfy us. Thus, we grow discontent and hostile towards God. You don't believe me? And this is one of those things like, we hear this all the time, but then we always have a phrase. Well, money can't buy you happiness. And of course, everybody's <laughs> got one, right? They buy me a boat or to buy me a, right? I'd like to try it or I'd like to, whatever. I mean, this is that deal like we get in that, in that wrestling match of what is it? Maybe it would help. Maybe it wouldn't help. I was watching a documentary the other day and it was talking about happiness. The degree of happiness, the increase of happiness between $5,000 and $50,000 is greater than the degree of growth that happens from, check this out, $50,000 to $5,000,000. The contentment that happens, the excitement that happens between 0 and $50,000 compared to 50000 to $5,000,000. That does not make sense in a computer or with an accountant. True? <laughs> or even in your heads. You're like, well, I'd like to try. <laughs> this is what we do. We go back to this place. Well, but yeah, but here's the, let me, here's the proof. You're already discontent with what you have. The fact that you had a reply to that suggests you're discontent with what you already have. How in the world could more make it better? It won't make it better. You're already discontent. Thus, we become hostile towards God. We have forgotten the creator, traded him in for the creation. Thus, we're frustrated. It's wired into the system. Paul moves on. Let me get there. Colossians, if you get your Bibles with you. Colossians 1. That's verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Here's where we get in trouble. Alright, you ready? The next verse. Next word. Next word in the passage. Verse 23. If. Oh, let's back up. Let's back up. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if. If. Mm, I love it. I can see it on your faces. I can see it on your... Here's what happens. If you've been in church for very long whatsoever, you just took issue with this word, if. Wait a minute, Jared. That sounds like that if I don't do what Paul says next, I might lose my salvation. If. And I know I can't lose my salvation because Brother Jim told me I couldn't a long time ago. Because Reverend Coakley said so. Because Padre Bycroft said it one time. Because Reverend Ellis... This dude didn't even work, do they? Irreverend Ellis, one time. If. You continue if you hold fast, if you stay strong, if you are not moved in your faith, in the hope held out in the gospel, is what the verse says. You are reconciled by Christ's physical death if you do this and this and this. Well, I don't really like that, Jared, because I always learned that I can't lose my salvation. Listen, I want to be very kind to you in my in my frustration, in my frustration with these kind of questions. So just know what's about to come out of my mouth is a very tamed and very gentle version of what's really going on inside of me. Let's not ask irrelevant questions. That's tame. Let's not ask irrelevant questions. Asking the question, well, what about, could I lose it? Could I lose my salvation? is a lot like the guy that's standing at the altar and his wife comes up and the preacher says, here's a vow. Do you promise to love, honor, cherish and all this? And he looks at her and he says, how, how much can I hit you before you leave? Just a little slap is okay and we can stay married? How about a little deception? Can I keep a little deception in there for you? How much deception is too much deception before you walk out? How much adultery is too much adultery before you leave me? Listen, if you're standing at the altar in the middle of a wedding ceremony asking questions like that, then you don't understand what you're doing. If we come to Christ with questions on, how little do I have to do before you'll toss me to hell? Maybe we're not even in this thing. You know what I mean? Maybe we're just trying to like get an insurance policy. It's because I don't want to burn because I don't like it when it's hot. Paul says, you are required to do nothing for your salvation except hold fast to the faith. The hope extended in the gospel. Let me read you what these words mean. Persist, this word continue, persist, tarry, remain, or stay. The word established, foundation to lay the groundwork or grounded, firm, sitting, seated, steadfast, Rosa Parks, I threw that one in, securely positioned, not moving off course. With me? Like I ain't getting up. This is what we always say around here. People come in and they say, I'm really struggling. I'm really trying to stay on the road. But like, I'm a disaster and I'm messed up and I'm still drunk from yesterday and I got problems. And our deal is always, and I've heard the elders say this over and over, keep coming back. I don't care how twisted up. I don't care what you smell like, what you look like. Keep coming back. Why? Get in your seat and do not move. Stay put. Eventually, something will change. Eventually something will change. Just keep coming. If you show up here and it's just a roll of the dice, I'm going to give this one shot and it doesn't work, that's not the plan. That's not going to work. You show up and you stick. Yeah, but I'm not doing very good and I feel like a giant disappointment. Okay, you can deal with that when you get home. Be here, you know? Like get to church and just be here. Yeah, but I feel like I'm just... I'm, I'm just I'm just a disaster, and it's just so disrespectful to God the way I'm living my life and then coming to church. Listen, you're disrespecting God one way or the other. You may as well do it at church. <laughs> All right? Show up, okay? Eventually something will change or eventually we'll kick you out. Okay? that's <laughs> Just keep, just be here. Just keep coming here. That's the thing that we have to work on. All right? So let me, let me tell you this. Um, I want to talk about this little word, if, for just a minute. Just a little side note. Just We need to kind of sweep the corners a little bit. I don't care what preacher has told you what, whether it's me or anybody else, in the history of your spirituality or the history of your walk with Christ. If you just grabbed a hold of the cup that they poured for you and slammed it back and didn't ask a question, didn't do research, didn't pray about it, didn't pick up your Bible to double check and make sure he's right. If you didn't do that, uh, not smart. Here's an example. I make these green smoothies at my house. Two zucchini, one apple, half a cucumber, uh, a stick of celery, and a little cup of uh, ice and water, and then a little brown sugar, okay? Put it in the blender, Arr, till it's just pureed, and then like, this, so every day, I make one of these green smoothies. So when my girls get up, I pour them some green smoothie and I hand it over to them. Here's what happens, here's what happens. At first, they're looking at me like, like it's it's green. (laughs) guess that it's called a green smoothie. This is why. Sip it up. They're like, hey, that's not bad. No, it's not bad. Okay. Some days it's not as good as the day before. Hey, this needs more brown sugar. If we put more brown sugar in it, this is going to, we may as well just make a brown sugar smoothie and forget the rest of it. (laughs) All right? This is, this is what this is. Oh, yeah, and spinach. Spinach is the other one. Handful of spinach. Um, and so I make them do it. You know why? Because I'm their dad. Because I pay the bills. I'm the boss. I'm in charge. They're not big enough to revolt. So we're drinking green smoothies. Now, I'm not your father. So as I, as I take this stuff and I put it together and I set it out there in front of you, I'm not your spiritual daddy. So for you to just take it and throw it back and never ask a question, that's terrible. Like, you've got to ask questions. Like, if you don't challenge me on some level, like, I don't agree with that. I don't think I like that. You know, it's not good. I don't appreciate that. That green smoothie you made on Sunday uh, the other day? No, not good. I don't want you serving that up anymore. I think it's wrong. You never put celery in a drink. It's terrible. <laughs> like, is, I, don't, I don't want, there's responsibility on your end. Here's, here's why. My wife, we have a different relationship than me and my kids. So I pour her up a little bit of green smoothie and I set it in front of her and she's like, what's in it? What is it? What's it? smells like there's celery in it. There's celery in it. smells like there's spinach in it. Yeah, there's spinach in it. I'm not having any. Well, it's good for you. I'm not having any. Like, it, it make your hair shiny. And she's like, I'm not having any. I'm like, it makes your skin. It's, I'm, not, I'm not drinking your, your stupid green smoothie. It's not happening. And listen, I can't make her cuz when I have it's a mess. Like we get it everywhere. Drink you're gonna No, I don't make it. Drink this. No, I'm not drinking. I can't make her drink it. It's her choice. My kids on the other hand, it's different. So when we come to a place like this, where you let somebody spiritually speak into your life, like you need to have some guards up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like here's the deal, when I start blending up my green smoothie for Sunday morning sermon, when I start this on Monday and I start processing this information and I read the scriptures and I pray and I ask God and the Holy Spirit to move into my life, reveal things to me that I wasn't seeing before so that I could put something together for these people. There are times to where it's some really jacked up preconceived notions of what's going on in scripture can slide in. Here's another deal. I'm human. Here's another deal. I'm a man. Here's another deal. I'm a messed up guy. You know what I mean? Okay, so if you're banking all your spirituality coming off of what we do here, my friends, you're shallow. This is the only stuff. Is this the only time you eat, physically eat during the, during the week? Just on Sunday mornings? So spiritually, you think it's different? It's not different. You have to feed you. Listen, I will do my very best to make sure that I handle the Scripture to the very best of my ability. To the very best of my God-given ability and whatever supernatural ability God might want to give me at some point. But where we're at right now, I will do my best. But you have to feed you. That's your responsibility. So we just don't take the green smoothies that anybody throws up and we just, we just, we just toss them back. They mix it up, they blend it for you. Here you go, here's what I think about that. And you toss it back. It needs to be checked with scripture. If you don't, this is what Paul will say when when he looks at different groups of people and he says, you're a baby still latched on to your mother. You need the milk so bad because you are an infant. Paul will later on look at the people and he will say, in the book of Ephesians, or Philippians, he says the same thing. He says, you, you, all you want is milk. Like at some point, at some point, you've got to grow up. There's got to be this thing. Crave the milk. That's good. As a spiritual baby, crave the milk. That's good. But at some point, you've got to grow up. If I ever show up to any of you, men, you men's houses, and you're out in the shop, and you've got a baby bottle full of milk, and you're like, you want something to drink? I'm slapping it out of your hand, and I'm pushing you down. That's dumb. Spiritually, there's no difference. We stay infantile only for what reason? Because we're lazy. Because we don't want to invest and do it ourselves. Here's what uh, what the book of Hebrews says about that. For though by this time you ought to be preachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk, not solid food. The Hebrews are getting lit We can't be babies. We have to be Bereans, okay? The difference between a baby and a Berean is this. Babies just want the food. They just want the milk. Milk's fine. Milk's fine. Milk's fine. Just put it in the bottle, warm it up. Don't warm it up. Toss it back. It's good. Good. But then there's this group of people called the Bereans, the church of Berea, church in Berea. And the Bereans In Acts chapter 17, this is what Luke says about the Bereans. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Stop. To see if what Paul said was true? Paul? The apostle of Jesus Christ? the apostle to the Gentiles, they're going to double check him and you don't double check me? Woo! You better double check. You should question. You should step in. When somebody says to you, you could lose your salvation, you should check into that. If somebody says, you can't lose your salvation, you should probably check into that. The minute you do that really weird deal where you're just like, I think I just want to like feel my way around and see if maybe I feel like I can lose my salvation, that's dumb. You with me? 100% dumb. Like it's not based on anything except how you're feeling. And that could have something to do with tacos or whatever. You know what I mean? Like indigestion. Like I think maybe today, no. Scripture outlines it for us, okay? So continue, established, firm, not moved. So what do we have to do to stay in this contact with Jesus Christ? For us to be reconciled by the death of his body, what do we have to do? Stay seated. Don't move from where you are. You heard the gospel at one point. You heard the message of Jesus Christ and there was this thought in your head, I need to become a Christian. I need to get baptized. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to step up in front of a group of people and I need to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I need this moment in my life, this conversion experience to where now I'm different. I remember that day. We we heard this message of Jesus dying on the cross, coming back to life, and somehow in this mystical, miraculous uh, situation, my sins and my guilt is lifted. Stay seated on that. Don't move from that. Because here's what will happen. The minute you focus on Jesus Christ, and only on Jesus Christ, here's what Jesus Christ will do. He'll move. As soon as somebody showed up inside the gospel and they said, you know what we should do? They'd see Jesus do a great miracle and then they would step up and they'd be like, you know what we should do? Jesus would make a great king. We should try to make him the king. What did Jesus do? Left. Marched away. When the crowds would just gather in around him and they'd begin to suffocate him and take up his time and they would just begin to drain him. What did he do in the evenings? He would send his disciples away and he would go to the top of a mountain and pray. People would get there with Jesus and they'd be like, oh, so where are we going? Jesus said, we're going to Samaria. Whoa, whoa, whoa time out. I don't think we're supposed to go there. I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to be in Samaria. Like, I don't know if you know, but like the, recently like they don't like us. Um, they're what we call a blue state. You know, we're... Not funny? Okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Too early. I know. Too early. Sorry. It's alright. Sorry. Right. Red state? that better? <laughs> anyway, they don't go there. They don't go there. Why? Because we don't go there. The second you focus on Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is going to move. He's going to take steps and he's going to begin to move. He won't let you stay there. The bus is going somewhere. Rosa Parks. Sit down. You know what I mean? Don't move from there. Get on the bus with Jesus and stay right there. Listen, He will grow you. He will walk with you. He provided His Holy Spirit called the Comforter, the paraclete, the one beside you who brings comfort. To travel beside you and bring you comfort. You have no other option. If you sit still and you stay established and firm on the fact that Jesus Christ is your only hope in this world, you will grow He will grow. There's no other option. Verse 23. This gospel that you heard and that has now been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So Paul is telling them, don't focus on creation, focus on the Creator. You once were alienated, now you're not. You're reconciled. If you want to continue to move forward with Christ and you want to keep that status to where you and Jesus are existing in a completely different realm and here, stay firm, stay established. This gospel message is what I am about and I have become its servant. Here's the subtlety that just happened. It just went right underneath your nose and if, and you don't spot it because... If I'm Paul, this is the way I'm going to say it. I'm the Apostle Paul, and I I serve the gospel. And you Colossians think you graduated Christianity already? You need to rethink that. If you remember, one of the problems what was going on with the Colossians was this. They had gotten this idea in their mind that maybe they didn't need to move forward anymore with just Jesus. They could do some other stuff too. Like, maybe there were some other things that they could involve in their worship. And the Apostle Paul just says listen, this gospel message is so big and so weighty and so dense and so mystical and so beyond our own comprehension that I am merely its servant. Here's the word waiter. Waiter. I am bussing the tables of Jesus' kingdom. The Apostle Paul is bussing tables in the kingdom of heaven. He's telling the Colossians just with just subtle words. There's more of that. If you're not moving forward in Christ, it's not Christ's fault. You need to dig in. You need to get yourself back in your chair. You need to sit down. You need to pay attention. You need to listen to what Christ is saying to you. I am a servant. Another word picture that comes up when you look at the word servant is I'm the one kicking up dust for the kingdom. You ever been into a restaurant and the place was so busy and it was, it was bustling so much that by the time your waiter or your waitress got to you, like, uh, like their hair is just like blown over sideways and they've got this smile and they're like, hi, welcome to Denny's. Can I help you? I... Have you seen this thing unfold? And like they're so like in a hurry like this, that, that you can't even like pay attention. Like you feel like you're rushed now. Like, can I get you something? Can I, you want water? You want something? Oh, listen, I'm going to bring you something. I'm in a hurry. Okay. The pancakes are fine. You know, like whatever. Paul is looking at them running by in a, in a streak, just a streak, a speed of light flying by the Colossians and saying, listen, I am merely a servant. I barely have time to talk to you. I've got to get back to work. That's the beauty of what Paul's saying. You see this imagery of being a servant. He did not create that himself. The ministry of Jesus Christ, when Jesus showed up, that's exactly what Jesus did. Philippians says it like this. He being in the very nature of God. The very nature of God. He is God, being God, being the very nature of God Yes, Lord. Listen, when I'm preaching and it breaks out in song, you can drink that smoothie. That's what I'm saying. You can drink that smoothie. Like that's, that's solid work there. Solid work. I don't even remember where I was going though. What did I say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Paying attention. That's good. (laughs) Jesus, being the very nature of God, takes on human form and comes to earth. And it says it like this Becoming in the very nature a servant, a human servant. That Jesus came in that fashion from being God in all the glories of being in the presence of his Father, comes here to be a servant. A servant, a servant to who? Us. There's this moment that unfolds in the book of Mark. James and John, these two, these two brothers, they come and they pull Jesus aside. And this is like some of those, like like I have a word for this, but I won't say it here. Like, it's a, like these guys are being really, real big doorknobs, okay? So they bring Jesus over to the side. And this is what they say. Jesus, uh, we got a question for you and whatever we ask you, we want you to say yes. That's exactly what they say. Jesus, listen, we, me, me and my brother, we got a question, and whatever we ask, we need you to say yes, say yes. <laughs> like, you know, who does that? Third graders. <laughs> Mom, i got a question to ask you. Just please say yes. Can I go to my friend's house? No. I said say yes. <laughs> so James and John says, Jesus, listen, we got a question to ask you, and we just need you to say yes. It's like, okay, go ahead with your question. He's like, when we get to heaven, can I sit on your right? And John's like, and I sit on your left? And Jesus says can you drink the drink that I'm going to drink can you can you be baptized in the baptism that I'm going to be baptized in <laughs> uh huh <laughs> we think so you know and he says most certainly you will you most certainly will you will drink that same cup as me and you will be baptized in the same baptism as me In reference to death. And he said, But who sits on my right and who sits on my left has got nothing to do with me. Those places are already reserved for people who are prepared for those seats. But if you want to be great here, be a servant. That's Jesus' words. If you want to be great, be a servant. Paul says, I am a servant of the gospel. Then he, takes the, then he takes it and he says, there's a mystery to the gospel. And it's twofold. Number one, the mystery of the gospel is this. He didn't just come for the Jews. Now, for us, that's like, yeah, we know that. But back then, like Jesus was a Jew. And so for Jesus to come for the Jews, like that's a big deal. Like this is our guy. We've been waiting for him for, Forever. And now he's here. But for the Gentiles, it was kind of like, we we just really hope he's nice and he doesn't kill us all. Like, that's really all we got to go on. We just hope maybe he'll accept us. But then he comes and it's for everybody. And then Paul talks about, here's the mystery of it all. He came for the Gentiles too. Paul, one of the greatest Jewish minds to ever live, is now apostle to the Gentiles. That's mystery number one. The second mystery is this. How in the world can you serve and love people? second part is this. Look at this verse. Verse 25 and 26 says that God planned on the moment of Jesus dying and the resurrection to be the historical point of when he would restore all races and nations to God. Second part, verse 27. And that the only way to love and serve others who are different than you is to have Christ in you. Listen to this verse, verse 27. To them God has spoken to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery of the gospel is this, Christ in you. What are the the seven top jobs the seven jobs of 2016 with the highest turnover rate I know the answer I will go ahead and read them to you retail food service IT guys nursing childcare hospitality and sales those are the top the top turnover rate jobs of 2016 more turnover rate in those seven jobs than any other job. What do all those jobs have in common? Serving. Serving. What else? You, what do you say? You say people? People. People. How in the world can you work for a nonprofit and get burned out? Don't you just love helping people? Have you tried helping people? If you spend any time trying to help people. Like, here, I'd really like to help you. You get done, you go home, bang your face on the wall. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Like, why? Here's the miracle. You can't serve people without Christ in you. Because you'll grow to resent them. Does this not have something to do with the political climate we're in right now? You cannot love people differently than you without Christ in you because people are repulsive. Just check Facebook, you know? Just check it. Like, people are awesome, are they not? Like, one minute you're like, oh, that's a super kind. Two minutes later, I hate this place, you know? And it's like, oh my gosh, like, this is terrifying. People are scary. You cannot serve people or love people if you do not have Christ in you. It cannot happen. You will grow bitter. You will grow angry, and you will begin to distance yourself from them. See, here's here's one of the things. Here's one of the things that I've seen. If you work inside the mental health field, there's a there's a pattern. There's a pattern, and you see it. I was told this when I was hired on uh, to work for mental health years ago. This is what I was told. Mental health attracts two kinds of people those who really want to help, and those who really need some help. (laughs) So, which admits, I mean, immediately I was like, which one am I? (laughs) I guess we'll see. Since I'm not there, I guess we know. Like, Like, you cannot serve people because people will grind you into powder. If you do not have Christ. Listen to what he says. Last, last verse. 29, chapter 1, verse 29. To this end I labor, Paul says, struggling, the word is agonizing, with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. How in the world do you serve people? You do it from a capacity or from a, a, a reservoir of energy that is not your own. Can you, lo- I cannot love Everything in my house is pink. (laughs) All of it. And it's got dresses and there's shoes and there's spiral notebooks and colored markers and crap. (laughs) Everywhere. Girl, there's girl stuff everywhere at my house. Everywhere. And I, 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 I want to be a strong masculine man, but I'm getting sucked in, you know? Get, getting sucked in. Like salmon-colored shirts and stuff. You know, like... It's not pink, really. You know, that's the... How in the world can you stay married without Christ in you? How in the world can you love a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter without Christ in you? How can you love your brothers or your sisters, I mean real brothers and sisters, without Christ in you? Or your mother-in-law or your father-in-law without Christ in you? Or your friends or your enemies without Christ in you? You have no other option. If Christ is not in you, you have nothing to give. And Paul says, I am agonize in my servitude to the world and for the gospel of Jesus Christ with all the energy that Christ has given me, not of my own. Here's why. Here's why this is important. Because at the end of the day, when Paul decides he wants to lay his head down on his pillow, he's not exhausted. He's poured energy out from somewhere else. A supernatural contact that he has made with Jesus Christ. And God has supplied him the energy he needs to love people. Listen, if you mean to tell me that Scripture has no relevance in our world whatsoever, just try to live in this world without this. Because I promise you this, if the world would pick up on this principle alone, I will love the people around me from the capacity of Jesus Christ. The world would not look like it looks right now. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be so full of hate. I'm okay, I'm okay with being I'm okay with us being different. I'm okay with our country being 50 over here and 50 over here. Like that, I'm okay with that. Like that's kind of the way things are made. But listen, when that moves into the realm of love and spirituality and sacrifice and servitude, we've screwed it up something fierce. Cause look, if we can't look at somebody on the other side of that deal who has a completely different view than us and love them and respect them, say nice things to them, move that thing out of the way so you can have a friendship listen, then we don't understand what the love of Christ is and we don't understand what that energy that Paul's talking about is. Here's my challenge as we close. In all your relationships, in all of your Facebook uh, posts, in, on your Twitter feed, okay, in your Snapchat, in your conversations at the coffee house, in your marriage, in the raising of your children, in your friendships, listen, If there there is nothing inside of those deals that is worth messing up the love that you can give to somebody else in Jesus Christ. So if something comes up and that's in the way, and you don't like my political stance, or you don't like my view on whatever, and this is in the way between me and you, look, we can move it. Move it. We don't have to agree for us to love each other, do we? Most certainly not. We're most certainly not. We can love each other and completely disagree because our love, is, our love is based on something else. Our love comes from God, from a perfect place. So in all those relationships and all those encounters that we have, listen, connect with people and love them from the energy, from the capacity that Christ has given you. The word is energy. That's the word that Paul uses there. And the word is energy. He's offering us an ability a supernatural ability to love the people around us. What's your situation? You got somebody who's just bogging down your life, they're just bogging it down. It's a relationship that's busted, and it's a thorn in your side. Look, you need this. You need the energy of Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way you can survive this place. That's it. That's it. Let's pray and we will break out of here. Love you, appreciate you. Thanks for drinking the green smoothie. Even if the texture is gnarly. All right? Go. So pray. God, we love you and we thank you for your word. We ask that you will uh, continue to move in our hearts. Lord, open up our hearts and our lives and our minds to, to, the, uh, to the possibility that you can give us more love, you can give us more energy, more, more uh, patience, more kindness to reach out and to love the people around us, no matter, no matter where we stand on, on all the strange issues around us, but that we can just continue to stand and, 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 uh, and love one another. Lord, in that same way, we'll reflect you. We appreciate all that you've done for us. Lord, thank you so much for the folks that are here. I pray you bless their lives. I pray you protect their relationships, protect their children. Lord, protect their children's spouses, and all those future relationships as well. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good day. <clears throat>